among a people, a, a society of sinning, sinners against God. And there's simply nowhere for us to hide. And so see this warning for you this morning. See this sweet and precious account that's meant to be a balm to your soul. It's meant to lead you to repentance. Repent of your known sin, your particular sin. Repent of your unknown sin, your general sin. Repent of words that you've spoken. Repent of uh, wicked imaginations that have consumed your mind. Repent of sinful actions you've committed. Because though we can't physically see the Lord with our eyes, we read this morning in Hebrews 11, we're going to that land. We're going to that city that's prepared for us. It's a city built and designed by God. Not a city of man like we live in. Not a city whose laws are, are determined by the thoughts and the imaginations of the human heart. But we're going to a city where God is going to be on the throne in our presence, walking, dwelling among us. And friends, know that if you repent and turn from your sins, and if you look to Christ, you will find him. You will see Christ, who is simultaneously your king, your high priest, your atoning sacrifice. Jesus Christ, who is the one on the throne, is also at the same time the, the barrier between a sinful man and a holy God. He is your shield. Flee to him for your refuge. Let him be the barrier, the, the high tower that you go to. Boys and girls, you can never do enough to earn the favor of God. You can never do more good things than bad things to cover over your sin. The only escape, the only way to be cleansed is in Jesus Christ. And so all of our sins are going to be dealt with in one way or another. There will be a recompense. This word recompense it means to make amends to someone for a harm suffered. Let me say that again. The word recompense means to, to, uh, pay, for, uh, to pay for something you owe. Uh, to make amends, to pay for something, uh, harm suffered. And so this is the bad news that we have. This is why Jonathan Edwards once said, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. And so what is Isaiah to do? What are you to do this morning if you are, in fact, outside of Christ? What are you to do this morning if you are already in Jesus Christ, and yet there are sins that you're battling with uh, in your own life? And so this takes us into the third point. The holiness of God demands your recompense. The holiness of God demands your recompense. In verses 6 and 7, we continue to, to think about what the angels are doing. It says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. In Isaiah's cry of helplessness and hopelessness, we see the Lord sovereignly acting on his behalf. Look at what's happening in this text. We see one man's cry for help being answered by the Lord. The Lord didn't destroy him. 
The Lord, didn't the Lord didn't cast him off and strike him down because of his sin. He didn't pour out his wrath upon Isaiah. But in a glorious display of the mercy of God, the Lord's intentions of revealing himself to Isaiah are seen. The Lord didn't bring this man, Isaiah, to come into his presence to destroy him. That was not what he intended. He brought him into his presence so that he would see the holiness of God, so that he might know God. This is what happens when we as sinners, when we come face to face with our God, this is often the response that we see in the scriptures. God who, who cares for us as his children, as his bride, who he, he loves. We see him in all of his glory in the word of the Holy Spirit brings conviction into our hearts and we are shattered by our sin but then the Lord does things like this. He brings atonement for us. He, he brings this coal from the altar. You could think about how hard Isaiah's ministry is going to be. If you keep reading on in the chapter at, to the end of verse 6, Isaiah is going to have this hardening ministry. He's going to go out and proclaim the word, and it's going to harden people's hearts and close people's ears when they hear it. And he needed to see the holiness of God. You could think about how all through his life he would have thought back to this moment when he was facing rejection from kings and from other prophets and priests and all the troubles that he would have faced from the people. He would have thought about the holiness of God and how the whole world could have came against Isaiah. And yet he knew that his God was behind him. He knew that his God commissioned him to go and to proclaim this good news. Friends, without a substitution in your place, you would have to atone for your own sins under the covenant of works. The covenant of works was established in Genesis 2 in the garden. It was given to Adam. He'd made a promise saying, on the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree, you shall surely die. But if you don't eat of it, you'll be promised life, uh, eternal life in God's presence. And so again, because of this original sin of Adam, or the sin of Adam, we are born into this estate uh, of sin. We are born under the covenant of works in which God demands our perfect and perpetual obedience before him. And even for one sin, it would be enough to condemn for eternity. For the one uh, that you are sinning against is infinitely holy, and he demands an infinitely worthy punishment for sin. But brothers and sisters, knowing that we are all guilty of sin and in need of a recompense to be paid on our behalf, you must know that you must be freed from this covenant of works. This covenant that God has made with, with, with man saying that you must perfectly obey me. This is the one who sits on the throne high and lifted up. And so how do we get freed from that covenant? What do we have to do to escape the, the covenant of works, to escape the wrath and curse of God? Well, we have to go to the covenant that Christ purchased for us, that covenant of grace, a covenant that God uh, made uh, even with Adam in Genesis 3, right after he sins. He says to, to Eve that a child's going to be born from your, your offspring who one day is going to crush the head of the serpent. Look to him and you'll be saved. Again, back to Isaiah. Isaiah didn't bring a sacrifice into the throne room of, of God 
but it was Christ who provided a sacrifice in this vision. Christ gave to Isaiah a sign and a symbol of the reality that it represented. So think for a moment about the difference between Christ's ministry in heaven in this moment and who he is um, and, and his earthly ministry. The king that Isaiah is trembling before is the very same king that becomes incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. The God who is worshipped by angels in heaven steps down to dwell among unclean sinners, to sit and eat with, with tax collectors and prostitutes, heathens. The same Christ whose splendor and majesty filled the temple with his robe is the same Christ who was stripped and beaten and mocked and given a scarlet robe by those Roman officials and a crown of thorns placed on his head. The same Jesus who sat as king uh, uh, on the throne that was high and lifted up is lifted up on the cross with a sign over his head that says, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. The same Lord who sees Isaiah sees uh, in his glory the, the same Jesus who bore your sins. The one who sits on the throne to judge the living in the, and the dead is also the one that atones for sin as he was nailed on the cross. And so if you've been forgiven, if you've received this mercy, this substitutionary atonement of Christ, where do we go from here as God's people? What is your week going to look like after you've been born again and freed from sin? And if you've not received that substitutionary atonement on your behalf, brothers and sisters, it can be scary to hear what's awaiting us. It can be frightening to think about not having a barrier between us and the living God. But this morning, Christ is offered to you. Christ wants you to come into his presence, to behold him, to turn from your sin, and look to him and be saved. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to to do uh, your perfect obedience. We're all going to fail. But simply look to Jesus. Look to what he has done for you on that cross and be freed. And so lastly, the holiness of God demands your response. The holiness of God demands your response. Look again at verse 8 with me. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Again, Isaiah is about to embark on this hardening ministry. Imagine if God were to call you to go plant a church, but he made you a promise saying that it's never going to be really full. You're always going to have people against you time after time after time. And Isaiah, he's all in. He doesn't care. He, whatever the Lord is going to do and have him do, he is ready to go do it without a second thought. And think about how Peter interacts with Christ in Luke chapter 5. Remember that account as uh, Peter and the uh, disciples and some others, they're fishing uh, during the night and they're not having any luck catching fish. Jesus looks at them from the shoreline and he says, try putting the net on the other side. And they catch so much fish that it's hard to even get it back into the boat. And then when Peter sees Jesus, he responds very similar to the prophet Isaiah. He's going to fall before Christ's uh, feet and he's going to say, go away from me. I'm a sinner. I can't be in your presence. Go away from me. 
And then Jesus is going to commission him to be, fisher, to be a fisher of men, to go out and be uh, spreading the gospel. Friends, this is the pattern that we see in the Old Testament with the prophets, we see in the New Testament with the apostles, and in the New Testament with the, the Great Commission. We've been cleansed of our sins, not so that we can be in the safe space, to be in the area where we're not going to face God's judgment anymore, which is so sweet and precious. We've been saved to follow this pattern, to go, to go out into the world. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus says to his apostles, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Friends, if you are in Christ this morning, the same king that commissioned Isaiah is commissioning you. He who had all authority in heaven and on earth is still commissioning his church, his bride, to be a mouthpiece for him on this earth. And so therefore, go, make disciples. Some of you may be called to go overseas to be missionaries and to serve into far and distant lands, and praise God for that. But many of us are called to be right here, right here in Colorado Springs and Monument and Castle Rock, be here raising up godly children to be discipling them, making disciples of your coworkers and your job, of your peers, of your neighbors, and so share of the good news that there is a king who can shield from the wrath to come. There is a a savior who is beckoning the world to himself to come and be saved. And finally, as you respond to this gospel call, as you go out into the world, friends, take comfort. Remember Matthew 28. Remember the fact that Jesus said that he will be with you Even when you stumble over your words, even when something uh, happens where you're not doing a good job of of conveying the gospel to someone, Christ is with you. It's the Spirit of God who convicts and converts sinners. It's not us. We are simply the, the means by which the Lord is pleased to work. And so the holiness of God demands your reverence, demands your repentance, and it, and, uh, and response for Christ's recompense, for what Christ has done on your behalf. The king who is high and lifted it up says to you this morning, Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord God, you are the Holy One of Israel. And we are your people. We are your bride, not under condemnation. For in Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation, but we are united to Christ by faith. God, you've done everything for us. Help us to cease clinging to our works and what we can do and cling tighter and tighter to what Jesus has done on our behalf, knowing that our sin has been dealt with in Jesus Christ. God, build us up in our holiness and our comfort. Help us to know you more. Bless us as we go about our week with the holiness of God. Impact every thought we think, every action we commit, every word that we speak. God, we thank you for being a holy God and saving sinners. 
We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.